really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? Welcome back to the podcast and happy Leap Day 2020. And I'm still working on getting some interviews together. You want to know what the hardest thing about this podcast is? Convincing women to be interviewed. Anyway, that's for another episode. Uh, I'm just a little bit irritated right now. I totally get it. But first of all, I didn't realize that there are so many people out there that don't even know what a podcast is. So those of you who are listeners, you need to help your friends. Everyone asks me if this is supposed to be, if this is going to be on video. It's not going to be on video. So help your friends out there. Podcasts have been around now for more than a decade. So the fact that there are still people who don't even know what they are, I find very amazing. But today I want to talk about what my spiritual disciplines look like as a pastor. It is one of the most frequently asked questions I receive. People want to know about my spiritual disciplines and just basically how do you do devotions as a pastor? I don't know why we make it so much more complicated as a pastor. Like there's some special way to do spiritual disciplines. Um, if you haven't read Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, I would recommend that book. It has some great advice and introduction to the disciplines because I think we have a tendency to keep our disciplines to just reading and praying. And there's so much more, there, there are so many other ways for us to connect with God and keep our relationship with him fresh and, and growing and keep ourselves uh, in line with the spirit as we walk with him. My, my husband likes to say that all I do is drink coffee and read the Bible, um, but there are other spiritual disciplines that I do practice. Although I confess, I do drink a lot of coffee. So whatever. My disciplines have really varied over the years. And I obviously I have my go-tos. You know, I'm wired a certain way, you're wired a certain way, and so there are spiritual disciplines that are just our go-tos. So I'm I'm, all, I'm always going to be more inclined to the disciplines that are quieter, can be done in solitude, because I am an introvert, and that's really where I find myself being spiritually renewed, is in times when I'm in solitude and connecting with God in that way. For, the, for those people who are more extroverted, those can actually require energy, right? Those spiritual disciplines that um, require you to spend time alone, you're spending time or you're spending energy when you're spending time alone, whereas I'm gaining energy or acquiring energy when I'm spending time alone with God. But I also think about spiritual disciplines in the sense of they really reflect the seasons of life, just like the seasons outside. So today's leap day, it's 2.29. And when I left the house, I put on knee socks and closed-toed loafers, and I have a sweatshirt with a tank top underneath. I get cold easy, all right? Most people, most women my age have hot flashes. I have cold flashes, whatever. Uh, I put on a wool coat and a sweater, uh, I mean a, a wool coat and a scarf and gloves, preheated the car, right? Now, if today was June 29th, I wouldn't be dressed the same way. Although it is Michigan, and you never know, but I would be wearing 
completely different clothes because it's a different season. You know, I'd probably be in a short sleeve shirt. Uh, probably wouldn't be wearing a jacket. Hopefully not on June 29th. But I'm going to dress differently. And I think the same is true for our spiritual disciplines and that you're in different seasons of life and they're going to look different. You're going to live them out a little differently. Um, if you have young children, it's going to look different than if you have grown children or no children. If you're a bivocational pastor, uh, you're going to structure them differently than if you're married or single. If you're pastor a small church or a large church, if you're multi-staff or you're the only pastor, those disciplines are going to look different. And I've noticed that myself. So when I was on staff, my my children were younger. My disciplines uh, looked different and were structured differently than they did when I went to plant a church. Um, and 10 years ago when I planted this church, my children were 10 and 15, and now they are 20 and 25. And so obviously I can I can spend time with God in a different way than I did when they were younger and needed to be driven everywhere uh, and had all kinds of things that they were a part of and involved with and they had needs, right? I don't ha uh, fortunately I don't have to uh, feed or bathe my children anymore, which which says I've been a successful parent. I don't have to do those things that when they're 20 and 25. But, but it gives me more freedom to structure my spiritual disciplines. Uh, one of the things that I remember hearing, uh, especially as a new pastor, it's just really starting the process in taking classes, is they would tell us when we we're working on our sermons that your, the scriptures you're reading for your spiritual disciplines needed to be something completely different than what you were preaching on. It was kind of the, the philosophy of ministry, the school of thought. And it would say, I think they thought you were cheating. Like if you spent your devotions in the scripture, you were actually going to preach from that somehow that was cheating that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, actually use wisdom in how you spend your time, but no, you should, you should have it completely separate from what you're going to preach. And I know that there are still people out there who think that way. Um, my guess is most of them are men who don't have young children or who are not the primary caregiver for their young children. But if you're the primary caregiver for your young children, you are always looking for ways to maximize the time you have alone. And so once I started preaching on a regular basis every week, at first I, I tried to follow that advice. And so I had my devotions, uh, and I made, made intention to be in a different part of the scripture than I was going to preach from. And then I just found... You know, I only have so many hours in the day and I do actually like to sleep occasionally. And so I thought, you know, hey, let's put them together. But the other thing that also I also found was I'd be reading in my devotions and, and let's say I was spending time in one of the Gospels, but I was going to preach out of one of the letters. And as I was spending time in the Gospels and my devotions, the spirit would start stirring my heart and I would have this overwhelming and compelling sense of, Man, I need to preach this. Man, I need to tell someone. Oh, I just really, I, and there's just some good stuff here. And I, I really need to proclaim these truths to someone somewhere. And so it was almost as if I, I spent my devotional time squelching or quieting the spirit and all of the things that he was doing in my heart and all of the things that he was bringing forth as I was reading those words. Uh, and I would spend all my energy 
squelching or quieting the spirit. And then when I would spend time working on my my message, my sermon, I would have to uh, almost stir up the spirit or compel the spirit to speak and to work. So I spent more energy quieting the spirit instead of just letting him lead. And I think there is something to be said about spending time in the word in a devotional way that then you turn around and you take that same word and you proclaim it to your congregation or you teach it to a Sunday school class or teach it in a Bible study or however way you're going to use those scriptures. Uh, And that when we spend our time in the word in our devotional time and then use that same text to preach from that you find it will be much more rich and vibrant your preaching will be more vibrant because you're spending time not just studying it but actually meditating on it in your personal time and the reality is whoever's hearing you preach or teach they want to know did this make a difference in your own life are you actually living this out this is scripture Uh, Is the Spirit actually using this scripture to work on you, or are you just telling us how we should be living or or how to understand the scripture? In other words, they want you to be authentic. Have you engaged that scripture in a way that's personal before you even bring it to the pulpit or teach it uh, in your Bible studies? And so that really shifted a lot of the way that I did my spiritual disciplines. Just want to talk about what I do now, and then I'll talk about a little what I've done in the past. I'm currently doing AM and PM devotions. Now that's just how I'm wired. I have paid a price by uh, because of how I'm wired um, by doing it differently. It's just not sustainable for my spirit and the way that God has just made me. And so I do AM and PM devotions. Ideally, my morning devotion time is long and my PM devotions are shorter. So if it's a if it's a, a day that I'm running, which I try to do that uh, at least three times a week, um, then that's the first thing I do. I get up, I go for a run, and then I make coffee because, of course, and then I spend time with God. Um, so my devotions include journaling. I had gotten away from it, gotten away from journaling quite a few years ago, and then I think about two years ago I started journaling again, and it just made a huge difference for me to be able to journal my thoughts and my prayers, how I journal. People have asked me how I journal. There's a lot of different ways you can, I mean, you can do a bullet journal, you do a prayer journal, do whatever. My current journaling practice is this. Uh, I, I just write out at the top three things I'm grateful for. And I list three things that I'm grateful for that day and spend a little bit of time just meditating and reflecting on those three things. I try to be more specific. So for example, this week, Uh, My son's been looking for a job and he's been really discouraged. And someone blessed him unexpectedly with some money, much as it was that for him, it was God saying, I hear your prayers. I'm working in your life. And so for me, I spent some time meditating on that, on that act and and recognizing that God is hearing my prayers for my own son. I spent some time just thanking God and being grateful for that. And so I try to be specific, three three things. I just limit it to three things. And then I write down three things I'm praying for. Obviously, I'm always praying for many things, but each day I try to have three things that that's going to be my focus. So at any time throughout the day, I will stop and I'll just talk with God about those three things. 
Usually the things that are heavy on my heart right now, I might have four or five days in a row where it's the same three things that I feel like just throughout the day I need to stop and pray about those three things over and over. And just keep bringing them to God and laying them at his feet. And then I take, then I list three priorities for the day. So it's kind of like a mini planning, mini plan my day. I don't do a whole lot of detail planning during my devotion times, but three priorities. These are three things that really need to be done today that I need to focus. And at the end of the day, if I don't get anything else done, these three things were finished. And I feel like I can put my head on the pillow because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have this tendency to think at the end of the day, man, I didn't get anything done. And, and really it was, there were two or three things that needed to get done. And I did a whole bunch of other things, but not those. And so if I, if I list those three things and I, I commit to God, that this today I'm going to focus on these three things. It's almost like making a covenant agreement with Him of God, help me to stay focused on these three things today, and to know that I don't have to solve all the world's problems. I only need to be faithful. And so that's part of my journaling. And then a lot of times I'll then just write out thoughts and prayers, you know, not dear diary, but kind of that idea. It helps me to stay focused. I am a little ADD, so it's easy for me to get off track. And then I do spend time in meditation. I know some Christians get really wigged out about meditation, but meditation is scriptural. We see meditation in the Old Testament. Meditation is what Peter was doing when he was sitting on the roof and had the vision of the sheep being lowered from heaven where God said, go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And so meditation is really us spending time listening to God. And it's really hard to listen to God when you are thinking about everything else. And it really became important shortly after my father-in-law died a couple of years ago, because I would sit down to pray and my spirit just couldn't, it couldn't pray. And so I learned the art of really meditating and listening to God and probably me for about six months, that's what I did. Was when I sat down and spent time with God, I listened. But it wasn't just listening as if, oh, I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do or where to go or the next thing I'm supposed to do or what I'm supposed to fix. As much as it was being in his presence. I think we've lost the art of worship in the sense of worship is being in his presence. And that's good enough. That is just good enough for us to be in his presence. We don't have to be doing anything. We don't have to be saying anything. He doesn't have to be saying anything to us. But just being in his presence uh, is worship enough. My husband and I have been married for 28 years. And one of the things I enjoy about being married 28 years is that you don't always have to be talking to be together. You don't always have to be doing something to be together. There are times I'm just glad to be with him. You just hang out and, and that's enough. And so for you and I, as especially as pastors, we need to be able to get to that place where it's just good enough to hang out with God. And we don't always have to be working up a word either from God or for others or for ourselves. We can just be in his presence. And so I've really learned to spend that time in the morning to be in his presence and allow him to position my heart for the day. There's a lot to be said for allowing him to position and prepare our heart for whatever it is, 
we're going to encounter today for those divine moments that may spring up in the midst of the day and is our heart ready to receive those things and then i've added for lent fasting i'm not doing i'm not doing a 24-hour fast i tend to be borderline diabetic so i've i've been doing 12 hours so i do a 12-hour fast three times a week and so my fast goes from 8 p.m to 8 a.m so during my devotions I'm praying during my devotions and then I break my fast in the midst of those devotions with breakfast because that's what breakfast is breaking the fast uh, so I break the fast with during breakfast with in my time with God uh, each morning uh, and then I usually spend a little bit of time reading uh, I'm always reading something I think morning tends to be more my either spiritual reading or other reading so right now I'm reading own the room which is not a spiritual book. It is just about uh, a book about leadership. I do highly recommend it. Uh, I'm also reading Dinner Church, and I'm reading what we talk about when we talk about God. And so I'll take 10, 15 minutes and just do some reading in one of those books before I start the day. So now you're thinking, okay, well, what about your Bible reading? Well, that's my PM. And you can, whatever, you can judge me all you want, but that's my PM time. I, I'm a night person, and so I've learned over the years that if I don't create some kind of a nighttime ritual that tells my brain it's time to go to sleep, then uh, I'll stay up till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And so I've created my PM downtime is that, spending time in scripture, maybe doing a little more journaling, maybe doing some other reading also as well. But that is my you know, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes in the word that's the last thing I'm thinking of before I put my head on the pillow and you know quite often I have exciting dreams you spend some time in the scripture and then you go to sleep you never know what God is going to say so that's kind of what my time right now looks like but thinking about how I have structured my spiritual disciplines in the past I've been a Christian since the early 90s 1990s and in the early days, as a new believer, uh, scripture was my primary. Scripture and prayer was pretty much my spiritual disciplines. God gave me uh, just a voracious appetite for the word as a new believer. Uh, and so I would read scripture for a couple of hours a day and read almost the entire Bible um, within the first year of being a Christian. I had, you know, I'd never read the scriptures before. I was brand new, didn't grow up in the church. And so that was uh, really intense. I just, I couldn't stop myself almost. I don't want to say it was obsessive. It was definitely uh, compelled of the spirit. I spent a lot of time and the way my life was structured at that time, I worked early. I, I, the job I was working, I worked at, started at 7 a.m. And so I had very short devotions in the morning. And sometimes I would listen to music in the car. I think that was still the days of cassette. There were CDs at that time, but my car was too old to have CD players, so I still had cassette players. And so I had morning devotions, and then my husband worked afternoons, and so my PM devotions were the long one. That was really where I spent a significant amount of time in prayer and scripture and journaling. And then it's but then it's changed over the years. Uh, I've had seasons where my morning devotions were long. And I had no PM devotions or super short PM devotions. Uh, I'm just not wired that way that I, 
it doesn't work very long for me to go and not have it twice a day. For for a while, when my um, children were school age and I was the one who drove them and picked them up every single day, I I did a a midday and a p.m. devotion. And so what I would do is I just made it a point to get to their school early where I could sit in the parking lot for 20 or 30 minutes and I would have a midday devotion and then I might do something short in the in the p.m. Uh, there was a season in my life where my devotions were at 3 a.m. and 4 p.m. Uh, it was, for whatever reason, God just continued to wake me up at 3 a.m. And at some point, you're just like, instead of laying here in bed and trying to go back to sleep, I just decided maybe this was God saying, hey, get up and talk to me. And so I had 3 a.m. devotions, and then we would come home. My kids would be doing homework, and that's when I would say, hey, these next 30 minutes are mine. And so 4 o'clock would be uh, my devotion time for a while. My devotions were the first thing I did when I got to my desk. And so I just come in and close the door and spend some time with the Lord before I started my day. I used to, shortly after I planted the church, we were talking about, I was talking with someone about devotions. And I realized that part of my job as a pastor is to pray and to read the scriptures. We do that as believers. But it is part of your responsibility. You have a responsibility to be faithful in your time in cultivating your relationship with Christ and in spending time in scripture and other spiritual disciplines, taking care of yourself. And so I started viewing it as one of my maybe to maybe saying it's my to do list seems, I don't know, anti Jesus. But for me, viewing it as a responsibility wasn't didn't. Put a negative spin on it. For me, viewing it as a responsibility empowered me to take that time to carve out part of my day to really spend time with him and seeking his direction and his guidance, even if it had to be the first thing I did when I got to my desk. And then I had a, a short season where I would spend 10 minutes a day with God three times a day, which I do not recommend. But you know, you just can't get a whole lot of deep conversation in in 10 minutes. But it was the season I was in, and I think it only lasted for maybe six months or a year. But God and not, God not I kind of did the whole check-in thing. But, you know, I started thinking about it in seasons of my marriage. And there have been seasons of my marriage where I think I've only talked to my husband ten for 10 minutes a day, three times a day. Uh, and some of you listening know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you're in that season of life. And when you do connect up, it's, okay, we have to take this child here and someone has to pick up that prescription and someone needs to go to the grocery store and we really need to do a load of, of towels so that we can take a shower in the morning, right? You spend, you spend 10 minutes uh, just talking about those things. Our relationship with God really isn't that much different than our relationship with others. And so that was a season for me. I don't recommend it. It's not sustainable. Just like, your marriage isn't sustainable if that's if, the, if you limit your conversations to you know who's who's going where and doing what and take and what chore uh, is going to be done and this week and about cutting the grass on Saturday or shoveling the snow like your marriage isn't going to be real strong uh, it's not going to be sustainable it's not going to last very long if if you live in that season for too long but we all know that sometimes 
You do what you have to do. And sometimes our relationships with God are that way. If you're finding that that's the season in life that you're in with God right now, my first recommendation is put away the guilt and the shame. And my second recommendation is make a note in your phone today to do a checkup with him in, in 60 days or 90 days because you can't live that way for too long. And so, so if, if you find yourself, uh, it's been six months and this is how you're functioning, especially as a pastor in your relationship with God, then you need to sit down and rework your schedule. You need to sit down and rework your calendar. You need to find out what are the things that you're replacing your relationship with God. What things are replacing your relationship with God? For some of us, we're replacing our relationship with God with some things that aren't healthy. And we need to take a good, hard look at that. So we just came through Ash Wednesday this week. Tomorrow is the first Sunday of Lent for 2020. And I think this would be a good time for you this Lenten season to examine your spiritual disciplines, your devotional time, however you want to phrase it, as a pastor, discern whether or not this is working for you and what you might need to do to change it. Maybe there's some things that you can incorporate, some things you need to take out. It would be wise to spend these six weeks really talking to God about how how beneficial this devotional season you're in uh, is for you as a minister of the gospel and, and what you need to do to change it. But I do want to give you permission to be in this season. Sometimes we're such, in such a hurry to rush out of it, right? If you have young children, it is true what they say that it goes very fast. And that is both good news and bad news. It is good news because it will not last forever if you're in a tough season with your kids. And it's sad because it also won't last forever. And just about the time you figure out this parenting season, uh, it changes. Just about the time you figure out this pastoring season, it's going to change again. The only constant in life is change and God and taxes. And so I I encourage you to use this these next six weeks of Lent to bring some freshness to your time with him. And I look forward to hearing what he is going to do in you and through you. 